You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is sponsored by Fidelity Investments. We want you to feel confident about investing so that you can make your money work just as hard as you do. Learn the ropes without the jargon at fidelity.com slash demand more. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody, it's Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining us today for a special mailbag-only episode. We are going through our inbox. We are tackling all of your questions. Catherine Tuggle is with me in the studio. Hey, Catherine. Hi. So today we are tackling credit cards and debt. Yep. Questions we get a lot of. Well, and I'm not surprised because the levels of debt are going up, up, up. I mean, part of it is consumer confidence, and it's great that people are feeling good. It's great that wages have been rising and that interest rates have stayed low. But across pretty much every category, people are taking on a lot of debt. It's true. Fifty-five percent of all Americans with credit cards have debt. And for people who carry a balance, the national average is $4,293, according to Experian. Wow. Wow. And the studies that we get when you're me or when you're Catherine, you get a lot of studies about spending during the holiday season. And a number of them have pointed to the fact that this year in particular, it seems that people are more willing to take on additional debt to give their families, give their children the holidays that they've been wanting. And that's a stat that always makes me feel a little sick to my stomach. It's kind of like when you hear about people going into debt for weddings Mm -hmm. because you know their heart is in the right place because they want to have the best celebration for the people that they love, but it's going to cost them. It is. Well, I mean, you ran the numbers on this, and on that national average amount of debt, the $4,200, $4,300 that the people who are carrying a balance are living with, if they paid just the minimum on that every month— it would take them 15 years to clear out of debt and pay $4,000 in interest alone. Basically doubling the cost yes. for what they bought. doubling the cost. Do you know that shoe you just bought cost you 40 bucks? Nope, it cost you 80 And that's how we have to think about it. I don't think there's a more pure example in our society of short-term pleasure leading to long-term pain than credit card debt. And it's so easy these days to swipe, right? You don't even have to swipe anymore. You just lift up your phone and all of a sudden you've made a purchase. That's so true. Right? And you've got your card numbers saved. I don't have to type anything in when I buy something from Amazon. I just click. Nor do I. Well, what's funny, Becca and I were just talking on the way to the studio and I said that I'm somehow more aware of my spending when I'm buying something online now than when I'm buying something in person. Hmm. Seeing the charges come up online registers with me in a more concrete way than if I'm just swiping the card at a kiosk. Maybe it's because you are looking at your cart and you get to see the total before you actually click pay for it. I think that's a big part of it. I had this experience a couple of times. I am a notorious shopper, not buyer. So I put a lot of stuff in my cart and I don't 
often pull the trigger and complete the transaction. But I had a couple instances of that just over the past couple of weeks where I put things in, I put in the discount codes that I had, the various coupon codes, I looked at the numbers, and then I was like, nah. You know, you have to really want it when you see those numbers flashing at you on the screen. Where do you think you're more likely to spend, right, with a real-life cart that you've got full of stuff that you're pushing around Target or a virtual cart? When are those items more likely to be purchased? Probably the real-life cart because I've taken the time to actually go there. I've loaded up a cart, and I'm not going to, like, put them back or abandon the cart. Although— Sometimes I try things on, and then I'm just like, nah. So should we all just move to online shopping then? I don't know. I don't think so. I think we spend faster online. We got to look at, we got to do some some digging. But before we do that, let's answer these listener questions and, and help some people out this holiday season. Our first note comes to us from Catherine. She writes, I love your show and the Facebook group. Oh, that's good. If you're listening and you're not in our Facebook group, just ask us. It's the Her Money Facebook group on Facebook, clearly, and uh, we'll let you in. But I love the conversations going in there. There was hundreds of comments this past couple of weeks about somebody who'd spilled some wine on somebody else by accident and offered at the moment to pay for dry cleaning and the which woman, was declined. Which was declined. And then like a week or so later, they called and said, we want you to pay for our outfit. The whole outfit for $300, yeah. not just the cleaning fee. Right. And that inspired a lot of interesting conversation. I love the feedback that the women in our group give. They're yeah. also wise and insightful and funny. Yeah. So join us. She writes, you've inspired me to really take a look at my finances and over the last year get my financial house in order. I even have my three kids listening, and I'm teaching them about being financially responsible. My son wants to start a financial independence club at school now. Love that. I've heard you speak many times about closing out credit card accounts and how that can affect your credit score, but I'm wondering about business credit card accounts. My husband and I run a small business, and we recently opened a second business credit card because it has better reward options. My credit score dropped from 815 to 807 after that. My question is, we have a second business credit card that we would like to close since it has an annual fee and we don't plan to use it any longer. Do we need to worry about our credit scores dropping when we close it? Do business credit cards affect your credit score in the same way that personal cards do? We don't plan to make any major purchases or see any reason that a small drop in our credit score could be detrimental to us over the next few months. I'm assuming that after a few months, any drop in our credit score would go back up as long as we continue to manage our credit responsibly. Thanks for all your wonderful advice. I like that you've gotten your kids listening. That's just terrific. So thank you so much for that. Generally, closing a business card is not going to have any impact on your personal credit score. If it does, it'll be a very small impact, smaller than if you were to close a personal credit card. The one downside is that if you think you're going to want a business credit card from this company in the future and you close one, it may be harder to get it the next time. So I'd think about it that way. And the other thing that occurred to me is that many of the companies that issue business credit cards have various fee structures. And one thing that you may be able to do is call them and rather than closing this card, switch it to a no-fee card with the same issuer, with the same credit line. If there's any chance that you may need this card, 
in the future, I'd look at that. But otherwise, I don't really see a downside. To this, your credit scores are plenty high. Agree. And the drop that she had experienced before is not really anything to worry about. She's over 800. I mean, I keep telling these listeners they're going to think my credit score sucks. I I keep telling our (laughs) listeners, your credit scores are higher than mine. Um, And and their mortgage rates are better than yours. They are. God, everybody's doing better than me. But my credit score is excellent and just fine, and yours is still higher, so do not worry about it. Our next letter comes to us from Cindy. She writes, you have mentioned on your show that an authorized user being added to your credit card account, in this case a college-age student, can help them start establishing a positive credit history. Can you explain how that works and how much it really helps? Absolutely. So it's not just a positive credit history. It's any credit history. When you have no credit, it's tough to get credit. And college students who have no cards of their own and often no income on which they can qualify for a card on their own run the risk of coming out of college with no credit or a very thin credit file. That's basically what we call it when you have no credit, which makes it difficult for them to do things like renting an apartment or, at that point, getting a credit card. And so when you add a child, a college student, to one of your cards as an authorized user, they are piggybacking on your good behavior. You have to make sure a couple of things happen. Not every credit card company reports to the credit bureaus on behalf of the authorized users. So you want to call them, make sure it happens. I did this with my kids. American Express does report because that's the card that we used for them. But if you want to use a different card, call them and just check. The second thing that you should know is that it will take six months of reporting on behalf of your child for them to have an active and robust enough credit file that it's no longer thin, that it is enough for them to, at some point when they have an income, be able to go out and get a card on their own. And finally, you need to make sure that you're going to pay your bills on time because if your credit behavior is not good, that's the credit that's going to show up on your kids' accounts. So you don't want to do this if you are not in a position for your score to be beneficial to them. But otherwise, I think it's a much better solution than co-signing. You can set up a separate credit limit for your kids in many cases. You can set up some sort of a side deal with them where they have to pay you for the bill or a percentage of the bill or not, depending on what you want that card to be used for. But you have strings attached. You can monitor their behavior. The bill will come to you. It's still yours to pay. And therefore, you have a lot more control. If you were to go out and just co-sign for a card in your kid's name and they don't pay the bill, you aren't even going to see the bill. And so there's no guarantee that you'll be able to keep them on the right track. Great point. Let me just take a quick breather before we do a couple of other questions to remind everybody that Her Money is proudly sponsored by Fidelity Investments. You don't have to know all the answers when it comes to your financial future, but an important question to ask yourself 
is what do you want from your money? What are your financial goals? No matter where we're meeting you on your financial journey, Fidelity is here to help you reach those goals faster. It starts with a financial checkup and an understanding of what you own and what you owe. From there, we'll work with you to evaluate your investment options and ways to grow your savings. Discuss your goals, see where you stand, and get help taking the next steps at fidelity.com slash demand more. We are back with our mailbag special. We're tackling your questions around credit cards and consumer debt. Catherine, what's next? Our next note is from an anonymous listener who refers to herself as trying to get back on track. She says, I'm wondering if I should claim bankruptcy or take a penalty hit on a retirement annuity to make a major correction in my financial situation. I've been a freelancer for years, but in October of 2018, a huge client of four years terminated my contract. I was devastated emotionally, and it also wreaked havoc on my financial situation. To cover monthly expenses, I used available credit, thinking I'd find another client to get back on track, but that hasn't happened. I then decided it would be a good idea to work with an expensive career coach for six months, the cost of which was also put on the credit card. The results of this relationship were negligible. I'm now behind on credit card payments and find myself in a huge amount of debt hovering at $30,000. While I'm still doing freelance with other clients, most of my income comes from three minimum wage part-time jobs. I've recently confirmed with my bank that at seven months past due, my account will be written off their books and likely go to collections. I'm wondering about a few options. Should I just claim bankruptcy and start over? Should I take a lump sum payout from the retirement annuity I have from a previous employer, the value of which stands at about $65,000 to $70,000? Is there something else I'm not considering? I do not own a home. I own my car outright, and beyond this debt, my only expenses are rent, utilities, car and life insurance, and the usual expenses of day-to-day life. I am single with no dependents. First of all, I just want to say that I am sorry that you're in this situation. Hard times hit so many people every single year. But what I know from hearing from listeners who have gone through hard times in the past is that you will come out of this and it will get better. And I think it's great that you wrote in to figure out what the next steps would be. There's an interim step before bankruptcy and before pulling money out of your retirement that I want you to look at. It's seeing a not-for-profit credit counselor. A not-for-profit credit counselor can look at your credit, can look at how much you owe, can recommend whether you should pursue debt settlement which is where you take a a small lump sum of money and you make an offer that's lower than the amount that you owe in order to satisfy the debt, particularly when you go to collections. You often have to pay nowhere near uh, a full dollar on each dollar that you owe in order to settle your debts because the collectors didn't pay that much. They can advise you whether bankruptcy is the right option, But they'll sit with you for an hour and they'll go through an intake process and they'll make recommendations that are right for you. I also don't want you to touch these retirement assets before you go through credit counseling because they may be protected in bankruptcy. And I don't want to see you lose them if losing them is not something that you have to do. So there's an organization called the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. It's NFCC, 
org. Go on their website, find a counselor in your area, go through the intake process. It, it can happen on the phone, online, or in person. If there's a way to get to a credit counselor personally, that would be my recommendation. And just know that if what they recommend is a debt management program, that it's something that is not free, but it's not a very high cost either. And it usually takes four to five years to come out the other side. But once you come out the other side, you will come out with a better credit score, credit rating than you have right now. The other thing I would encourage you to do is focus on the other side of the equation. You've got three minimum wage jobs. Clearly, they are not really helping you keep your head above water. And I want you to look at your entire skill set and think about where you could potentially apply your skills in ways that you hadn't thought of previously in industries that might pay you more than you're earning now. You said a freelancer. I don't know if that means a freelance writer. If it does, freelance writers who are working in corporations where business is booming often aren't writing what they consider the most exciting prose, but they're getting paid a lot more than people who are trying to publish their first amazing novel. And you may find that if you can work your way into a better employment situation, you can take care of a lot of these problems simultaneously. That's a great idea. Also, I feel like most freelancers I know, they know what the side hustle is like. I think you're right. I think, I mean, it sounds like this was a body blow, um, losing this long-term client, and that your confidence was really shaken. But it's time to put that away and change your mind and understand that you can do this and that you have value and that we're all cheering for you and make 2020 a new start. I was going to say that. 2020 starting fresh. Yep, absolutely. And let us know. Let us know how it goes. Our last note comes to us from Katie. She writes, Hi, Jean. I've been listening to your podcast for several months now as I've recently started my get rid of this freaking debt journey. I'm 23 years old and I make $3,772 per month after taxes. My necessary fixed expenses every month are about $1,800. In terms of debt, I have nearly $5,000 on an Amex with a 27% interest rate, and I have $4,000 on a Visa with a 17% interest rate. I recently took out a secured personal loan for about $5,000 with an interest rate of 6% to pay off a huge chunk of debt on the Amex, and that payment is $130 a month. I'll be taking out another unsecured personal loan for $11,700 with an interest rate of 7% to pay off $8,000 in IRS tax debt, at which point I will put the remaining money, hopefully about $3,000, toward the Amex since it has the highest interest rate and the highest balance. The payment on that will be about $285 a month. When all is said and done, I'll be left with a $1,750 balance on the Amex and the remaining $4,000 on the Visa. I'd really like to transfer this balance to a 0% interest balance transfer card for 20 months, but I'm worried this might negatively impact my credit score since both of the loans were also hard pulls on my credit. What do you think? If I don't apply for this card, I would make the minimum payment on the visa and pay off the Amex as soon as possible. Lastly, what are your best tips for staying motivated when paying down debt? 
I know I'm making significantly more progress on my payments than others can, but it still feels so out of reach for the day when I can be totally credit card and personal loan debt free. So I just first want to applaud you for everything that you've done so far. You were really climbing a mountain. And by my calculations, you are three quarters of the way there. So you are you are almost, almost there. I do not see a downside to applying for this card. Either you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. And if you don't get it and there's one more hard pull on your credit, as long as you continue to pay down this debt, your credit score should continue to rise. So... By all means, apply for the balance transfer card. See if you can get a better interest rate. You should also call your cards and ask for a better interest rate from them as well and see if there's anything that they are willing to do for you. And then I would channel your fourth grade self and figure out how much debt equals a gold star on the fridge and how many (laughs) gold stars on the fridge it is going to take you to pay off this debt and start charting your progress. We don't just chart our progress when we are saving money. We chart our progress when we're paying down debt. And by paying down debt, you are putting an incredible guaranteed return on your money in your wallet. And then I would decide what you're going to do when that debt is paid off. Maybe for each gold star, you take a dollar and you put that dollar in an envelope. And by the time you've got 100 stars, you go out and you get a fabulous massage or you buy yourself a ticket to a show that you've wanted to see. But do something that is meaningful to you that really puts a bow on the fact that you did something spectacular Going through this, you are never going to get yourself into this situation again. I can just see it. And so I don't worry that you're going to dig yourself another hole. But once you are debt-free, I want you to take those same payments that you've been making, and I want you to build yourself a three- to six-month emergency cushion. That's your insurance against future credit card debt. And just in case you ever lose your resolve, that'll make sure that you never fall into this situation again. I love the idea of rewarding yourself with something. I had a close friend who bought herself a piece of jewelry after she paid down her student loans. And at the time, I remember thinking, why would you go spend money as a reward for saving money. But now looking back, it was so smart because she has that keepsake forever. It was a milestone that she reached in her life, just like any other milestone. Mm -hmm. And it should be celebrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, our permission. Go go do something. Go do something nice for <laughs> yes. yourself. Thanks to everybody. First of all, thank you for pulling together sure. all these letters. Catherine, this is fun. Yeah, Catherine does an amazing job producing this show. I want to thank everybody for listening today as we have gone through our mailbag. Please keep the letters coming. We love doing these mailbag shows, and we will keep them coming if you want them. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We also want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Track Tribe, and our show comes to you through PRX. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk soon.